0: Hey friends, welcome to the Axiom Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us and check out our episode. Um, This is a space where we post our, our Sunday sermons and occasionally we have discussions and conversations regarding life in this community and following Jesus. So thank you for listening and please engage us on our website axiomchurchaz.com or on any of our social medias. We'd love to hear from you. Take care. Pretty cool. You know, that prayer started 10 years ago, and uh, some of the prayers at the end were just written in the last few weeks. And um, it's amazing to be in this position to be able to look back at all the many ways that God has reached the lives of people. And has incubated good works in the midst of our city and uh, in various places. And it's encouraging to be uh, a part of that story. And so this season, as we look at the vision of what is it that Jesus has invited us into, we want to remind this church that we are a kingdom church, that we are called to be Embodiments of God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what he prayed for. And when he prayed for that, he was pointing to the future church. And now, as we pray the prayers that we pray, just like you just heard, we look forward to stewarding that future as well. So here's the confession behind all that, is that you are the future church. It's you. That's who it is. Whatever the story will be, whatever things we'll give thanks for are going to be a direct reflection of the decisions we make in cahoots with Jesus Christ together as the future church. And so while we have looked at the past and we have looked at the present, today I want to take some time to look at all of that in conjunction with now what's ahead of us, what comes next for us as we steward the church that Jesus has given us. And some of the key words of Paul, you know, he tells us as he, as we think about the future churches, he's like, hey, you're going to run this with perseverance. You're going to have this with endurance. You're going to fix your eyes on Jesus when you look ahead. That's how this is going to play out. But that message that he gives to us, he gives to a church that is experiencing weariness and decline. He gives it to a church that is wrestling with the past, wrestling with the present, and afraid of what's ahead. And, And that's the context in which Paul comes in and he says, I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus, that regardless of what's happening in the past or in the present or in the future, you run it with perseverance. And I want to come to that text today because I know that the church here in America, the church that we are watching all around us, continues to feel a little bit weary. I don't know if you've ever noticed that in these last few years, and we'll talk about that in a second, but first I want to look at the text. Let's look at it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. This is what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and there he points to the past, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, okay, so that's what's happening right now, and let us and lose heart. And let's just hold that here for a second and and, and think about the invitation that lurks behind this for us. So if week one, if you were here two weeks ago, we talked about (coughs) how to move from the head to the heart. And last week we said, okay, so then what does it look like to move from what's going on inside us in the heart to our hands and feet? So we move from the head to the heart and now from the heart to the hands and the feet. And this week I want to suggest that we move from the activities of our lives, the hands and feet of the work of Jesus, to to the eyes, that we look ahead. And when we look ahead, the thing that we're pointing to, the thing that is fixated on, the thing that we are focused on is Jesus Christ. So what does that look like for you? What does it mean to stare forward and the thing that compels you, the thing that moves you, the thing that shapes you is the very face of Jesus? What does that mean for us? Because it's easy for us to project onto the future the things of the past, isn't it? It's easy for us to think, oh man, the election season's coming again. It's going to be just like it was. Or pick your thing. Or I've been here before. But Paul says no to the weary church, to the suffering church. No, no, no. The future church is one of endurance, perseverance, because they're running a race with their eyes set on Jesus. And so this whole dynamic of past, present, and future is is reorienting ourselves to Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul can can say in Colossians, it's not going to come up, but he says, hey, I'm presenting the church to you in maturity. That's what his hope is, that he is moving us towards something in its fullness and its completion. And this church of the 21st century, right? If you look at it, It's been in that pain and decline. It's been in that season of suffering. And think about it. At the turn of the century, the turn of the 21st century, uh, uh, 9-11, war on terror, happens. What happens to the church after that? It begins to take a steady, almost rapid, Decline. Now, a big part of the church wrapped around that, rallied behind that, but a, but a, a significant portion of the church at that time began to sink away. Do you know from the year 1937 until two, till basically 9 11, we had a 70% average attendance from people in the United States at church? 70%. Okay? From 9 11, from So 2010, that number drops drastically. It goes from 70% average to 60%. 10% drop. So it holds steady for 70 years, seven decades. at 70%. And in a 10-year period, it drops 10%. Now, what was going on? Well, okay, yeah, 9-11 was going on, that's for sure. The war on terror was going on, that's for sure. But but the advent of social media and the modern tech revolution, all those things are beginning to merge and get into the landscape of everybody's nooks and crannies. Wherever you find yourself, there it was. All of a sudden, devices were in our hands. And I'm not blaming this on the cell phone. But it's a factor. Truth is... In this period, truth become, became an, an issue, right? Time Magazine, what is truth? And right there on the cover is truth dead. You have all these issues of truth coming up, and with that, the advent of, I don't trust the news anymore. It's fake news. It's false news. And, and the church itself and the Bible itself enters into the same scrutiny. It wasn't, it wasn't set aside and protected over here, but it also became a question of truth. And an issue of trust. Heck, by 2002, a year after 9-11, the NUMA videos started. Anybody remember the NUMA videos? The emergent church got on the scene and they were like, hey, we're going we're gonna to shake it up. We're going to deal with this problem that we're having. And they got real innovative and real cre- creative. And at that time, at the forefront of, the, of the, the emergent church and vintage church and all those different things that were emerging, you got these two figures, Rob Bell and Mark Driscoll. And back in those days, believe it or not, they ran in tandem together. But today, only so many years later, they represent the opposite spectrum of the modern Christian movement. What happened? What happened? In that period of time, the shifting of the status quo. By the time Axiom gets in, we're 2010, the church church out here is on a decline. Axiom is coming in, and we're getting started conceptually while swimming in multiple streams at once. And this is a new phenomenon really for the church planting movement that, that the Emergent Church helped bring about. And here's Axiom, hanging out with all these Anabaptists, kind of peace, peaceful figures. But we're also hanging out with this missional movement, this tangible kingdom movement. And, and we're also hanging out in the spiritual formation camp, going to Dallas Willard School. You know, We're doing all these different things. We're saying, how do we bring these pieces together? How do we fit these things into one? And we just don't have a concept for it. There's no category for meanwhile mainline churches and evangelicalism is internally at war on each other and internally and externally on war with culture at the same time enter change enter the years of obama and romney and the, the, all that they represented in our world i mean you guys have been around the last 10 20 years right you know what i'm talking about there's a polarization, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a fracturing, there's a splintering that's taking place at every level of society. No, nobody's getting left out. And that's what we're planting our church in, is in the midst of this pain and weariness. Now, by the time Obama's going and then... Fast forward, not much further, the deconstructionist movement starts to emerge, but really before that, we started to use language of nuns and dons to describe the people that were leaving the church, and those weren't terms that people in the church used to describe themselves. Nobody walked around saying, I'm a nun, you know, but, well, except for actual nuns. Um, and, and nobody walked around identifying as a done. But, but a few years later, this, this new tricky word, deconstruction, enters in, and, and it offers something that speaks to the identity of a person. And people begin to grab on to this language and, and, and to, hey, I'm, I'm sailing with this. I don't know where it's going, but I'm going with it because this other thing, in the midst of all this fracture, in the midst of all the splintering, in the midst of the weariness and the pain that Paul is addressing... Here's this other thing. But my question my question is are we fixing our eyes on Jesus? Are we fixing our eyes on Jesus? And I think many were Fast forward a few more years we get Trump we get Biden we get Fauci, we get COVID. And from 2010 to 2020, we moved down to about a 50%. We just tip into 49% of the church, another 10% in 10 years. Okay, so, so 20%. Okay, now that was by 2020. And we're in 2023, and we're at 42%. 42% post-COVID. Well, what happened? Well, for starters, 95% of the churches closed their doors for a long season of time. The world was at odds with eat one another. Real pandemic, an actual pandemic was taking place. Pain, weariness, and suffering. But guys, if we've learned anything from Jesus, where does Jesus fit in the most? Where does he make the most sense? It's at the cross. It's in that space that we look to him. Today, 31% attend regularly and 42% identify as being somehow connected to the church community. Today, for every 3,000 churches planted, 5,000 churches close in our country a year. So just surviving is the new metric of success. (laughs) Everybody go like this. Yeah, we survived. But surviving is not the vision that God gives us. It's not. It's also not the story that we've lived here at Axiom. It's not. It's interesting that this Hebrew text goes on to talk about two mountains a mountain of doom and gloom, and a a mountain that is an assembly of joy. I want to just share it with you for a second. Hebrews 12, verse 18 You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, but you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Come on, preacher. That's pretty good, Paul. You have come not to the mountain of doom and gloom but to the city that is made glad the era regnum the kingdom of God that is establishing itself and he goes on to end this by saying in verse 24 or 28 therefore since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably, acceptably with a reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. That's the mountain we've come to. That's the worldview. This is the image of God's kingdom breaking into the doom and gloom of our world. The future church, regardless of mountain A, Stands firmly on mountain B. Securely in the unshaken ground of God's kingdom. That's the vision that Jesus gives us. We're not just surviving. We're partying even if the ship is going down around us. Now... I remember when I was young, there was a storm that was happening, and we all had to go downstairs because there was a tornado, and and, and we had the basement on the street, so the whole street's crowding in, and all the parents are freaking out because there's a tornado coming down the road. That's a good reason to be afraid, right? But all the kids on the street? We're the happiest people on planet Earth, because we were at one in the morning in our underwear, partying in the basement with all of our moms and dads at the same time. And here they are. I'm, I remember hold, like, my dad's holding me, and I'm just so excited while, he watches the storm come in. But the, what, was, what was the difference between my dad and me? because I knew there was a storm? I even knew there was a tornado, which I thought was awesome because I saw the movie Twister. <laughs> the difference was that I was securely in the arms of my dad, and the people that I loved my 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 people, my neighbors were there with me and 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 so I could be in this awe and wonder that it's talking about. I could be on Mountain B, even though we're in the midst of a world that's in, you know, doom and gloom. I could be in this wonderful place. I could be in the kingdom. I could persevere, I could endure. And, you know, and I think about the past of Axiom. It's like, we had so little, but, we, but God did so much. He did so much. I, nine people in their 20s raised $108,000 to fund the planting of this church. Nine broke college kids did that. And then we finally got to a facility, and they told us we needed $90,000 more to build it out, and we did that in 30 days. We didn't have any of that when we got started. We had so little, but we had this excitement, this joy in Jesus, and our eyes were fixed on him. It didn't matter what was happening if all the churches around us were closing down. It didn't matter if everybody said, don't do it like this. We were doing it because Jesus was inviting us to. And that was enough. Being enamored by Jesus was enough. You see... We move from the head to the heart and from the heart to the feet and then from the feet to the eyes and we fix them on Jesus as we look forward as the future church. And, and this all just reminds me of like, just, like, the, the childlike nature. Like, we make it so serious. But we, we need to be Toys R Us Christians. I don't want to grow up. Actually, Toys R Us just failed, didn't they? Yeah, hold on. <laughs> Let me rethink that one. (laughs) They're coming back. Oh, good. The remnant. But I'm reminded of Jesus' words to us. Y'all grown up. And and while his disciples are sitting around arguing who's going to be the greatest, right? And they're all standing around hanging out on the mountain of doom and gloom. Jesus says, "Eh, time out, Matthew 18, verse 2 through 5. He called one of the little children to him, and he placed that child among them. He put him among them. I love that text. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change, you change, I change, unless I change, and become like little children... You will never enter Mountain B, Kingdom of God. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child, that's the one that's the greatest in the Kingdom of Heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name, that person welcomes me. And in this text, what we see here, and it's going to come up on the next screen, is that there's just this little truth that the more childlike you and me become vulnerable, playful, trusting, imaginative, the easier it will be for me to participate in God's kingdom. That there's something about this rooted in the dynamic of God's vision for the future church, the one that he's unfolding in new creation is this childlike principle. Now, no other boss is going to tell you that. You're not going to show up at work tomorrow and they say, listen, the more kid-like you behave here, the better your raise is going to be. But we serve a different kind of boss. A boss where the future, the kids are amongst us. They're a part of us. They're doing it with us. So Jesus looks at the kid, and he looks at all the kids in our kids' area, and then he looks at each and every one of us. He says, they're the greatest ones. They are the greatest ones. You want to experience Jesus? Go go see how they're experiencing Jesus. Be like them. Welcome. Welcome even one of them. Make room for even one of them, and you will have welcomed me. So again, if we want to experience Jesus, then we must make room for our kids. And we must make room to become like kids. And so, you know, the first week of this series, we invited every person here to go deep within the kingdom, to get the interior of their life, uh, like, going for Jesus. We talked about how that maturity looks like uh, joy and depth, and that's the mark of maturity. And so we invited everybody to take a next step, any step, take a next step. That was week one. Week two, we invited everybody to join a missional community because, or uh, an axiom community because we are a sent people, that by definition, God sends us out to be the good news to others, that what's happening here begins to get out here But this week, I want to invite you to give everything that you can to make room for our kids, for the future church that's before us, and to fix your eyes on Jesus while we do it. And I think the best way to fix our eyes on Jesus is to fix our eyes on our kids in this season. And so you're going to see around you, we've got these future um, church packets, and you guys can check those out. But let me just give you some of the highlights and the points here. What I'm inviting you guys to do is to be a part of the unfinished story of God's future church, to be a part of what God is unfolding. And that 10 years from now, we get to look back and say, yep, I saw it. I witnessed it. Every single tornado and every single joy, whatever it was, I was there for it. I was a part of it because God's work is not finished. And so in these packets, what we're asking for, and I know on the pledge card, it'll say uh, two, two uh, Excuse me, twenty-four months. Uh, but we're actually asking for thirty-six months. Okay, and so that was a typo on my bad. I'm I'm very good at that. Um, and so for the next three years, we're asking this church to commit to just giving, just to be faithful to giving to this project. Now that doesn't mean it's going to take three years to get started. But we're asking for a a season of life that we would commit to not just a splash in the pan but a moment, but to the long trajectory. And that each and every person that calls Axiom home would be committed to investing in a space for our children and a space to help us embody all the things that Axiom said we are always about. And so next week, we encourage you to bring back your pledge card and leave it with us so that we know together what we are saying yes to. And with that, guys, I just want to show you some of what's happening. If you'll notice that building at the top, that's the one you're in right now. There are changes in that building that are happening when we get started on this other one. We're adding another room. Uh, we're opening up uh, the, the, the two rooms over here into one larger youth room. And we're creating a studio and music project space. We're cre- creating a room for uh, lay counseling, spiritual direction, and all that kind of stuff. So there are changes that are happening here. <laughs> But next to that, across from that, out the main doors, is another facility, and that facility is going to house a kitchen, a walk-up kitchen, uh, as well as five classrooms for our kids, and a spiral staircase on the back going up top to the top patio, uh, that rooftop patio that that building shows for that little restaurant walk-up, and I think there's another image that should show some of that. And so there you... Uh, Babooks is, you know, that new restaurant we're doing. Actually, I don't know what it is. That's just it was, it sounded cool. Um, so our heart is to launch this project together as a church body, to fix our eyes on what God has for us and what he's invited us to do and to say yes in faith and to, to do it together. Let this not be the project of 20% of this church or a couple well-off families Let this be the the initiative of every single person in this room, every single person that calls Axiom home. We just invite you to join us in that. Now, I know there are questions and all sorts of information that you guys are going to want to have, and so we're doing some time together at the end of the service. You'll hear about where you guys can ask some questions. But I want to invite us to begin to pray into this and to ask Jesus, what is he inviting me to give? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would lead us, strengthen us, and encourage us as we fix our eyes on what's ahead and we bless the future church together in trust and confidence that what you are doing is not yet finished. Not in us, not in the world around us, and not for our kids. And may the future that our kids experience even brighter than ours.